Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. balls of tissue oh my gosh i'm just uh, shoving them up my nose right now i love now. it i well i've i've pulled these out of my nose and put them on your table because hey, i'm fine. a wonderful house guest guess what i have children so i've got wipes everywhere yeah, i've will. got butt wipes nose wipes oh uh the clorox wipes clorox wipes are probably, probably the for the this. best ones yeah. for that. hi guys for later hi everybody i'm vanya I'm yeah. the Rom. Yeah, you are. I'm Avrin, and I'm the Crime. Yes. And uh, oh. you are listening to Rom Crime, which is a true crime comedy podcast that has romantic silver linings. Woo. Only today, just yeah. today. But I think that's how I always want the the crimes to be romantically, right. like end in happiness. But um, right. and maybe doesn't totally end in happiness. This one, but there's something in it that just tickles my pickle. Oh, I love it. I'm so happy. It's definitely, as we were separately researching this, mm-hmm. I kept getting so excited because mm. I couldn't believe how rom crime it was yep. in that vague idea that we had when we came up with this podcast T- totally. where I, I just was sitting there thinking, oh my, this is what we were thinking about. I know, exactly. This could be a romantic crime thriller movie or something. Oh my gosh. Honestly, there has to be. With some comedic elements because we like comedy. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So guys, I if you didn't catch the uh, tissue bit, we yeah. both have The cold. coronavirus. Oh God, no. Oh God, no. <laughs> no, um, but we both have colds. It's going true. around. It's going around. We have a similar cold. We have not seen each other in a week, but my children have had it. And my husband had it. Yeah, and um, I've been like being a nurse and not sleeping because of them, and now I caught it. Yeah, but I think whatever. my husband was drinking right out of the water bottles. In the <laughs> no, that's unfair. Well, my kids literally lick my face and right. cough in my mouth. Right. So yeah, I I'm don't just, think he did that. <laughs> what he, What if he was like, Evan? Evan, come here. <coughs> Just right in my mouth. Right in your mouth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got. We've, so yeah, if, if an us. occasional full-blown sneeze attack happens 
we'll do our best yeah. to just push on through. Exactly. And I have to admit, I'm also a little tired. We live in LA and last night the w- wind was insane. Yeah. I honestly, so I researched this particular case very late and I am, because I'm the ROM, I get like, I do have nightmares still. I'm a child. <laughs> so I was all freaked out about the story and everything, even though it has a silver lining. Um, and all I could hear were like, things outside and like but it was just the wind and then i heard a, like a boom and pounding and i was like fuck man oh, and it was coming from the living room so like adam my husband is snoring and just like part of that i was like i couldn't sleep i did not sleep for yeah. i slept for like maybe two hours last night so this is gonna be fun but we're good we're all good no all i was gonna say i woke myself up sneezing at least 12 times last night so i think hopefully we're mentally in the exact same brain did space. you wake up james I'm sure I did. Oh, yeah. Well, I woke up Calvin or Adam a couple times and he was just like looking at me. I'm like, you snore. I can't sleep. Yeah. This is wind. And then I went outside or I went into our living room and the um, windows, one huge window was like flapping open. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, no. So That's I think terrifying. it was just like rustled open by the wind. Which is crazy. Or we have a ghost. Or um, you have a ghost. Or my kid opened it and didn't shut it, which is probably most likely. Mm-hmm. But anyways. That's where we're at. That's guys. where we're at. So we're a little sleep deprived, um, a little snotty, yep. but so excited to talk about this one. Yes. I have to say, Vanya and I often um, we just Google. I come up with the funniest ways to Google romantic killers. Yeah. Because if you type in like romantic killers, you know you only you get a movie or two called romantic killers on right. IMDb. And then you have to really go to like the second and third page of Google before you start actually finding right crimes where someone within an article said romantic whatever right. I chose to Google. Yeah. And so this one came up on one of those searches and it is so dark. Yeah. And so strange and so fucked up. Yeah. And I'm surprised. So fascinating. And I'm surprised that I'd never heard of this. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Because I'm going to tell all of y'all who are listening because we will do our best to cover everything. Yes. But there is this incredible four-part documentary series called Dead North. Yep. And it is so comprehensive and it is intensely detailed. It's really and riveting. And it, it is riveting. So it's it's on Hulu. That's where I watch it. And it was the Investigation Discovery Network. Right. So it's like on ID Discovery yeah. and you can watch it on Hulu. Yeah. Um, you can stream it on if you have streaming regular TV if you have oh, ID. Right. Yeah. Um, or you can do what I do and I, I just bought it for six ninety nine on Amazon oh. because I have the ID thing. Yeah. And I didn't want the ads. Okay, so I was just going to say, I have Hulu and I pay $60.99 a month for, Hulu? for no ads, but it's like live TV. Oh, you have the yeah. live TV. That's what I didn't have on Hulu, yeah. so I couldn't watch it. It said available with live TV. I could watch it, but it it made me watch commercials That's and I was garbage. pissed. And it's already really long, you guys. I know. It's Anyways. a four-part documentary. Yeah. So, so I, I watched the first one streaming with advertisements and was like no no this isn't gonna work yeah. i'm already missing the super bowl and You're people so won't smart. stop texting me because i'm from kansas city right go chiefs and we won good job um, way to go it was very exciting i watched a whole five minutes of football but it was really fun i think five that minutes. you helped them turn it back because once she started walking wa- watching they won yeah they started winning i turned it on and there was like five minutes and some change left in the game and we were it was 10 to 20 wow and then it was 31 to 20 Better luck next time, 49ers <laughs> or 59ers. I'm kidding. What are you guys? I'm kidding. That just shows you how much that I know about yeah. uh, football. But I support people who like it. Totes. So wait, did we say who are? No. Oh, my God. Okay. So the a documentary was called, De- or the documentary series was mm-hmm. called Dead North. 
But yes. our killer in question, her I guess. name is Kelly Cochran. That's right. Kelly Cochran. Kelly Cochran. Um, which is probably a name most of you have never heard unless yeah. you've already seen this documentary because really this is where it all exists. We were both lamenting the fact that there's no Wikipedia page. No. I always go to Murderpedia, yeah. no Murderpedia page. That's And it's also recent. That's right. another thing. She she got married to her husband in 2002 um, and it's just like, I mean, I think she graduated in like 2000. Yep. I'm just saying sh- this is recent. Yeah. She's our age. Yeah. Um, They were... Okay, sorry. Let's. I'm gonna just go into it like you guys know what the hell we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So let's start. I'm gonna start on October 27th of 2014, and we're just gonna start there. Only, and then we're gonna jump all over the damn Great. place okay. because this is a story that spans many years. Yeah. Uh, lots of cast of characters and intensely insane everybody. Yep. But on October 27th of 2014, um, a very frantic and upset woman walked into the Iron River, uh, which is in Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, which is basically as far north as you can go. I said basically right out the gap. But but it's like it's It's basically Canada. Canada and it's right next to the Ottawa and Hiawatha National Forest, which has 100 million acres of national forest land yeah, so like and like old mines vast, and things like that. Yeah. Abandoned mine shafts everywhere. And not a lot of people live up there. It's, and it's, they, yeah, it's sparsely. It's kind of sparsely populated. Yeah. So um, uh, she wa- her name is Terry O'Donnell and she's very upset. And she walks into the Iron River Falls um, Falls. It's just Iron River, Avron. Iron River Police <laughs> Department where Chief Laura Frizzo. I love you, Chief Laura Frizzo. Laura Frizzo, just so everybody knows, get ready to hear that name a lot. Yeah. She is the star of this story. I mean, this is a I, story I about agree. Kelly Cochran, but Laura Frizzo is the motherfucking star of this movie. She is. And she's my new um, crush. I know. I want to play her in a movie. I want to hang out with her and yeah. have coffee and talk all about this. Yeah, she's really cool. But so she was she was the chief in the chief of the, police, of, the very first female ever hired to be a police yep. officer. Yeah. in Iron River and became chief of police. They were so, a uh, police department of four people, but yeah, still. It's a, but still, first female yeah. police officer ever in the history of yeah. Iron River, Michigan. That's already I love her. And not that it matters at all, but she's she's pretty. You know, I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter at all, right? She totally is pretty. But though. she's pretty. I think I was shocked like, she was very, that she was pretty. She was very, very um photogenic in yeah. that sense of that's it, it she you looked know. great on the documentary it, it doesn't means nothing but i it's just not important not important what she truly is is a tenacious badass smart cop yep. who happens to be pretty um so it's october 27th 2014 terry o'donnell comes into the police station where chief frizzo is um kind of getting ready to wrap up for the night but this woman right. catches her attention because she just looks so frantic and desperate yeah. And so she brings her in, they sit down, and Terry explains that she thinks that her ex-boyfriend, Chris Reagan, is missing because she has not been able to get a hold of him for two weeks. And even though they are no longer dating, they it was very amicable. They were really good friends. Yeah. And she'd even gone over and like to his apartment because random twist in the story, her parents were his landlords. Right. So she had that a key. is so interesting. He was about to be um, he was about to move to Asheville, North Carolina for yeah. a new job. And um, she just couldn't get a hold of him, and she yeah. was convinced something terrible had happened to yeah, him. Yeah, and they were friends. Like she was, they were going to spend Thanksgiving together before he moved to Asheville. Yeah, you they know? were close. They talked all the time. So um, Chief Frizzo obviously like takes all this information down, and then sends another one of the four police officers yeah. that work at Iron River 
um, with her over to Chris Regan's apartment. And it's just really obvious that something isn't right because the apartment is half packed up. So there are moving boxes. Some of them are full. Most of them aren't. There are lists posted all over the place. I love that about him. He had like like, to-do lists everywhere. are moving. Good for him. And then the thing that really convinced Terry that something terrible had happened to Chris was that his brand new job that he had um, gotten in Asheville, the contract was sitting on his desk unsigned. Yeah. Which means that he had received it. All he needed to do was sign it. Right. He was, he had told her he had to take the drug test. Right. And, um, and then he was basically good to go and was going to be moving. And wasn't he going to move to Asheville and like share an apartment with his son or something? Anyway, so it was a big change in his life. And he was really excited about it. Yeah. Get the hell out of Upper Peninsula. Upper Peninsula. They say that more people move out every year than move in. Yeah. To uh, Iron. It's cold. What is it called? Iron Iron River. Iron River. Yeah. I'm going to, it's happening. The sneeze feeling, oh. you know, in the nose. It's, uh, hold on. I'm going to try to stave it off. You know, if you talk about sneezes, sometimes you don't sneeze. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So now we have the attention of Chief Laura Frizzo. Not only does she take them, um, not only does Terry take them to Chris's apartment where they, they definitely agree that something seems off there. Yeah. She also says that she had seen, Terry also says that she had seen Chris's car parked at this park and ride right. parking lot and it had not moved it had been there for two weeks and she said his car was his baby he would never have just like abandoned his vehicle yeah i mean it's kind of weird that she didn't get a hold of the cops earlier even but I'm they're sure, not together right so. and i'm sure you know she wasn't really sure what was going on yeah. and they were no longer dating so right. it wasn't like it was an every day they saw each other thing or talked yeah but uh so the cops they have the car towed they go through everything They talked to the um, people at his job. He worked at a company called Oldenburg Group, which was like a military. Yeah, I think they made like naval parts. They made naval parts. Yeah. And Chris was a supervisor there. And so she's talking to people there. They've towed the car so that they can go through it. And she learns from the HR director of Oldenburg that like some of the people he he was close to at work, and she specifically mentions one of his coworkers. There were rumors that they might have been more than co-workers right. they might have been having an affair and this woman's name was kelly cochran so <clears throat> excuse me you guys i'm so snotty <laughs> <laughs> so she gets the name kelly cochran from the hr um director of oldenburg group and then they also find in chris's abandoned car a handwritten note with directions to an address that when they look up the address is Kelly Cochran's address. So now police know they want to talk to Kelly Cochran just because they think there's a very strong chance that maybe she had seen him. Yeah, or at least maybe know his whereabouts. Or know something. So she sends a detective, Frizzo, Chief Frizzo, sends a detective over to the house, Mm -hmm. and the detective notes in this documentary that when she's walking up to the front door, she notices it's really obvious there's like a silhouette in the window upstairs. Oh, so she rings the doorbell. A man answers the door. This is Jason Cochran. This is Kelly's husband. And she says, is your wife Kelly home? And he says, no, she's not here and gets really defensive. And he's like, what are you doing here? My wife hasn't done anything. And the cop is like, this is very strange. Yeah. I just asked if your wife was home. I needed to ask her a question. And then, poop. She walks right I by. Poop. I meant poof. to say poof. I poop. 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 So Kelly, <laughs> as her husband is being awkward and looking very suspicious, Kelly then emerges from upstairs and is like, sorry, my husband was lying. I've been here the whole time. Um, he just thought maybe I was in trouble or something and was trying to cover for me. 
And then they say, do you know Chris Regan? And she's like, yeah, we worked together. We were also sleeping together in front of her husband. Right. And they're like, uh. And the police officer is like, would you maybe guys come down and talk to us at the station? And they're like, sure, no problem. Let's go. But the whole time this cop is thinking, she just admitted to having an affair right. in a really like cavalier, no biggie kind of way, right in front of her husband. Who's like dead faced staring. Who's like. just been very aggressively defensive with the cops and is now just standing there right. just like stone faced. So they go down to be interviewed. And as they're talking to the, I think the officer's name was Sergeant Bennett, I think yes, was her that's name. Yes, right. I knew it started with a B or BD or something. Something Bennett, like that. Yeah. So she questions them separately. And gets two very different stories. So from Kelly, she gets the story that they were having an affair, but it was something her husband knew about, and it was fine because they had an open marriage. There had been a surgery or something a year or so back where Chris was having a hard time walking, was definitely not able to be physical in any way, shape, or form. So they had agreed that she could have extramarital. The way they said it on the documentary where they kept repeating it, they're like, that rendered him impotent. Mm Mm-hmm. He was rendered impotent. And so she... So, so she basically yeah. tells them, yes, I was having an affair with Chris. No, I haven't seen him since like the 13th or 14th of October, but I think he was getting a new job in North Carolina, so he must have left town. And um, my husband knew about it, but was totally cool with it because we're in an open marriage. Right. And now, meanwhile, these interviews are going on. They're being videotaped, or they're on a monitor or whatever, you know, in police departments, how it works. Yeah. And Chief Frizzo is in her office. She's kind of filling out some paperwork, but she's watching these interviews. So she watches that one, and she's like, interesting, okay. Then Jason Cochran comes in, and he is a disaster. Right, starts Starts sobbing. sobbing hysterically, and basically says, says that he has mental issues. He He has suicidal thoughts. He had recently checked himself into a psychiatric facility for five days. Yeah. He struggles with like chronic um, pain. Right. And delusional like, and, like voices just, too, right? Yeah. And so but he, I don't know if he mentions that at this point. But So then they're asking him, did you know that your wife was having an affair with Chris Regan? And he said, well, I just found out. And they said, we're, and you were okay with it? And he said, no. Right. So they have these really differing stories where they are both acknowledging the affair. They're both acknowledging that they knew about the affair before the cops came. Yeah. But Kelly's saying it was cool and Jason is saying it was not cool. Right. And everybody said that Kelly, like she was really outgoing, really talkative. Yeah, very personable. And really like relaxed about the whole thing when she was being questioned. Yeah, seemed very calm and controlled. Yeah, And Jason is a crying hysterical mess. Yeah. He also says at one point, he's like, uh, you know, I sometimes get a little, um, what, like angry. Yeah. So if I get angry, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm seeing a therapist for it. Yeah. And then okay. at the end of the interview, when he's starting, he's like, should I be getting a lawyer? He's like, I've shared more with you than I share with my doctors today. Yeah. And he's just very like victim. He kind of plays the victim. And, yeah. It's weird. And Chief Frizzo says that as she's watching this, she can't tell if Jason really is that pathetic and weak of a man right. or if this is just like the most brilliant right. like performance of somebody who has done something wrong right. but who's going to try to convince the cops through this bizarre behavior, you know, that he didn't do anything. Yeah. But from the moment they are first brought in, Chief Laura Frizzo is convinced that these two are involved in some way 
and why no one can find Chris Regan. Is this when does she does when she's being questioned? Is this when she mentions the other person she's seeing? It might be. They bring yeah. her in a couple of times. Yeah. So he's she's kind of like she's real cavalier about the yeah. fact that she's having she's seeing like a couple guys. She's right? dating around, you know. Yeah. She's got permission, according to her, from her husband to do so. How sad, right? I know. I mean, if that happened to in my life, I guess he's. Wow, it just that is dense. It's really sad. If there's a lot to unpack, I would just and be we're like, going to. Yeah. Guys. Okay. It's insane. But what's nuts, okay, so, like we said, this is a small police department. So as she becomes convinced that this is not, a, a, you know, a lost in the woods, uh, just took off kind of situation, she thinks that there was foul play involved. Yeah. Laura Frizzo decides that she's going to call in the state police because, like we said, this is a small yeah. four-person police department in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and she needs help. So she brings in the state police. The state police think that Terry O'Donnell, so remember Terry, she yeah. came in and reported him missing. Yep. The state police zero in on her, the ex-girlfriend, and they think that she is responsible. So yeah. she is interrogated. She, I think oh. she has to take a polygraph. She does. She passes. She passes a polygraph. But the whole time, Laura Frizzo is saying to the state police, don't waste your time. Yeah. Like, it's not this woman. I'm telling you, I know who we need to be focusing on. Right. But the state police think that they're smarter. They've yeah. got more experience. They know what they're doing better. And so that she ends up butting heads with these people a lot yeah. because they want to go in different directions. They want to call the whole thing off. And she zeroes in on Kelly and Jason Cochran yeah. from within the first week. And she is relentless, you guys. And it's the best thing you've ever seen. Yeah, okay. she's awesome. So she starts questioning more um, of the people who worked at the Oldenburg group because that is where Chris and Kelly both worked. Yeah. So that she's trying to kind of glean some information about their relationship. And she discovers a couple of interesting things. One, Kelly was seeing other people at work. Right. Two, um, they were trying to keep it a secret, but everybody knew. And at some point, I guess the couple had even broken up because he was so pissed off that he thought she was telling people about right. it. He was and a very she probably person, was. And she totally was. She was a chatty Cathy. Yeah. They, and <laughs> everybody who you talk, who the, they talk to in the documentary is like, she liked to talk like she never yeah. shut up. So one of the questions, I just feel like I need to mention this before we move forward, that was asked uh, of Kelly in the first interview with cops was, we found Chris Regan's car at this park and ride parking lot across from this lake or something. Are you familiar with that parking lot? And Kelly says, no, I didn't even, what's a park and ride? I've never heard of that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And they're like, okay, cool, whatever. Now, we're interviewing people. Eric Erickson. Just sounds like a 1970s I feel like I've right? met someone named Eric Erickson. Eric Erickson yeah. should have like a record coming out any day. <laughs> um, is another coworker and another lover yeah. of Kelly Cochran. So he is now brought in for questioning because now they're th maybe thinking jealous lover yeah. that maybe it wasn't the husband, maybe it was this guy. Exactly. So they start questioning him. He starts, you know, saying, telling them all about their relationship. And one of the things that he tells the police, I just feel like I'm going to sneeze every second, <laughs> uh, is that when they would get together, because she's a married woman, even though he did say that she made it seem like her husband wasn't really in the picture anymore. But right. They wouldn't really go to her house all that much. Yeah, he, they did. They one did, time. but he never thought that. She, yeah, he never thought the husband would be there. He just didn't yeah. think he existed. But one of the places that they would go is this lovely little lake right across 
from the park and ride. Right, they'd park at the park and ride and go and walk over to in the lake. Yeah. So that's the first time that Kelly is caught by Chief Rizzo and her police yeah. department in the full-blown lie because she said that she'd never heard of it. Right. And this man is saying, no, we literally went there all the time. Yeah. And they hold that information back though <clears> for a little yeah. while, right? Like they figured that out. Excuse me. Yeah, Bob, he was saying, well, <laughs> uh, so Eric Erickson was somebody who, um, he was like a, a vet. He had served in um, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And anyways, Ended up having a little PTSD and needed to come back home where he lived, where he grew up. And that's why he was in Upper Peninsula where his family was. And he was working. And I think he was really lonely. And he said he was excited. It was kind of nice because this outgoing person thought he was, you know, wanted to have sex with him. Yeah. And so he felt wanted. And he was like, yeah. So it was just like fun. We just, you know. Enjoyed each other's company. Yeah. And it, wasn't, had, it was casual, yeah. but it was a good time. And but he did say that she would go silent for days. So they'd be and texting. And that's when he figured out that she was maybe seeing other men. Right. Seeing other men. And so he, end up taking, he ends up taking a, a polygraph test and he passed and full, he full passes, blown. Yeah. And he's so, you watch the video, he's just like so relieved. He's like, yeah. He's you could tell different. he was like a good looking guy at once at yeah. one point. And also, life, you know? I love the relief of all these. There's so many polygraph tests. I know. Given, and everybody is just passing them left and right. But yeah. I can't even imagine, even if you knew you were innocent, how nerve wracking that would be. And it's all about yeah. monitoring basically your heart rate, right? And your anxiety levels. Yeah. There's, well, I, yeah, there's like some, I want to say it's on Vanity Fair, but there's a show or Vogue or something where mm -hmm. they interview. Uh, famous people while they're doing taking a polygraph test mm -hmm. and I watched Jennifer Lawrence's one and they're like she's like do you wear makeup uh, when you work out and she's like no and it kind of like twitched up right. I'm like I mean I wear makeup when I work out so I have to put on I mascara <laughs> I'm gonna try exercise this year in 2020 that's my goal oh I love that yeah. try it with that mascara it'll make you feel All better right, I'm gonna try it sans makeup yeah, well, that'd be probably a good idea for me too. But I just always like a little mascara. I don't. I, I like to it. be awake. I like you to feel, feel awake. You know, yeah, when you're gonna work out, you need to feel awake. Yeah. So polygraph test. All so, over the place. Polygraph test. I've lost myself in the story. We were we were talking about Eric Erickson boning by the um by the lake, and Eric warns Kelly. Oh, warns Frizzo that Kelly cannot be trusted, and that she's dangerous. And she's dangerous. And that's a word that keeps coming up. Yeah. Constantly when people are, when she's interviewing people about Kelly Cochran, the word danger comes up. She's dangerous. She liked to get into trouble. She was always kind of yeah. pushing things to like extremes. So Laura is locked in and she is convinced, but she's having a hard time convincing the state police and um, some of the higher ups within her own like city government. Right. Yeah. That, that this is still worth pursuing, that she knows that there's more information to be gotten from Kelly and Jason and she just pushes through she yeah. barrels through and finally five or six months after he goes missing after all of these like endless interviews and polygraph tests and questioning people and she brings the couple in multiple times they always refuse the polygraph yeah telling you guys I everybody know. else said yes and passed they won't take it she finally gets a search warrant for their house yeah do you, okay, so wait, I just want to make sure. Oh, so the city had to raise money. Like the the citizens oh, right. of the city. So the manager, the city manager was like, you know, a bunch of men in positions of authority were telling her that she couldn't do this case. She couldn't work on it. 
you know. I was taking you, up too much time that. and resources. Yeah, and you know, and so, she's like, whatever. The but she was protested. determined, and she the town protested, and they raised money for her to keep going. So she was able to hire a couple private detectives. Yeah, she Anyways. got to hire extra help. She that's how how good she was yeah. at making her case. The citizens of this town literally were marching down the yeah. street with signs, being like, "Let." Chief Frizzo do her job. Yeah. We as the taxpayers of this community are happy to chip in more. Yeah. We want justice and for they Chris want, Regan. Exactly. We want him to be found. We want his family to know what happened yeah, to him. Yeah, he has two sons, you know. Yeah, and I just thought that was so powerful yeah, that me the too. people of the community would rally around her. Me too. Small towns must be fascinating. I I've know. never lived well, in like everybody a knows super, everything. super small town. Yeah. But, you know, when you have a police department of four, I mean, I feel like that tells you how small Absolutely. I feel like if anybody, because they say people sometimes move up there to get away from past lives. It's easy to get lost up yeah. there. Yeah. So I feel like if anybody, if we had new residents, if I was Chief Frizzo, I'd be like, okay, we're going to see about this. Mm-hmm. I got my eye on you. Why'd you move here? What you doing here? So yeah, so they get the search warrant to search for evidence of what happened to Chris Regan. In their house. In their house. And they find an arsenal mm-hmm. of weapons. As soon as she walks in, I think that's like, they normally, as soon as they walk in to do a search, they say, you know, do you have any uh, weapons? Right, because they need to secure them. Exactly. And, she, and she's like, yeah, underneath the entertainment center, there's a twenty, a loaded twenty-two, mm-hmm. And then there's like a shotgun and there's a bat and this and that. Right. And so the the couple, Kelly and Jason, have to leave. They go to the neighbors because they can't be there while, while their house right, is being Right, they have sh- to leave searched. the house. So they go across the street to their neighbor, the sailors. Yeah. And hang out there all day while yeah. the cops spend the entire day searching their house. So why don't you go through what, what they the found house? and then I will talk about Amazing. what was going on across the street. I love it. So they go through the house. They find the loaded twenty two, the shotgun, and a crazy amount, like 50 swords and knives. So many weapons. I'm talking about like, so not that this is related, but um, Jason was a gamer. You know, he was always online. Um he liked the you know the swords the the weird weapons that there looked a like ha- yeah right? a crossbow hacks a bunch of ha- not hatchet. Hacks, hatchet that's the one and it looks all like game of thronesy and stuff yeah. like that but they laid it out and it's just like insanity so anyways then they find something off the ceiling. There's this thing they use called luminel to, um, it, it shows if it's blood or not. It re- reacts if blood was yeah. there. So on the ceiling, they think there was blood spatter, spl- splatter, spatter, splatter. Either one. Um, and so Frizzo was hopeful that something was going to come back once they Some t- DNA went to, of Chris to test yeah, yeah. Of Re- G- Chris Regan. So they have all of these things up on the ceiling, like the evidence tags of places where all these yeah. blood droplets are. And it's a lot of them. Yeah. But it also has really clear that the, the ceiling over. had been painted. Um, the entire, the first time that Chief Frizzo went to their house just to like ask them a few questions, not the search warrant in the very right. beginning of the documentary, she said that the house was being remodeled. Right. And then when she comes back to six months later to fully serve this warrant, the house has been remodeled in some ways. And one of those ways is paint. Yeah. Lots of paint. Right. So while that's going on, across the street at um, David and Tyler Sailor's house and their grandma, I, I, don't, I didn't get her name, Grandma Sailor is yeah. what we're going to call her, the couple is noticeably shaken. And David Sailor is the one who does most of the interview for the documentary that we watched from this family. Yeah. But he knew Jason well. They both love to smoke weed. So they would hang out all the time, play games, smoke weed. Yeah. He said... like. He'd never seen 
Jason was bright red. He was sweating. He was barely speaking. Yeah. And he just looked like he could keel over and die. Right. And he was always like the cool stoner guy that was totally chill. Right. And then Kelly couldn't, wouldn't shut up and was talking about like crime scene shows and like, oh my God, like what, you know, if there's even like one little thing, I told them I had an affair, but they're going to find like one of his hairs in our house and they're going to say that we did this thing to him. And as she's just right. the whole time and Jason looks like he's about to keel over and die of a heart attack, <laughs> David Saylor is kind of like, oh my God, I think these people had something to do with this. Right. So they're there all day long. Behavior is very strange. Neighbor is noting all of that. Yeah. And then kind of starting to remember some other weird things that had been going on around the time that the news broke that Chris Regan, a local man, had disappeared. He, um, David recalls that the couple were remodeling their house, which was weird because when they bought it, they had already done some remodeling and said they were done, but then they started again. And there was all of these buzz saw, you know, like they were sawing stuff, yeah. but they were only ever doing it at like two or three o'clock in the morning. And it went right. on for about a week. And, and it's so he starts thinking, oh my God, like what if they were like buzz sawing a body or yeah. who knows what they were doing, but he's remembering all of these details as he's sitting in his home for 12 hours with this couple that is just increasingly, increasingly frantic and he is convinced they've got something to do with it. So after the police finish the search, the couple leaves the sailors home to go home and they're like, hey, thank you so much for the hospitality. Right. We'll come back by in the morning and let you know, you know, what's going on. And um, instead, they fled. Yeah. So the couple leaves the sailors. They go to their place. They pack some bags and they take the fuck off. That so, is so crazy. Now, once once he realizes they've left town, David Sailor goes to the cops with yeah. his inform with the stuff that he remembered. And also, Grandma Sailor comes right. in and she recalls a night and she thinks it was October fourteenth ish. She can't remember exactly, right? But she remembers that she woke was woken up late at night to the sound of a gunshot, and then a loud screaming sound and then a bunch of slamming doors. And so she got up and she looked out of her window and she said she saw from what she could tell it was coming from the house across the street, which yeah. was the Cochran's house. And then she says that she kind of looked out the window and she's watching. She had an obstructed view, but um, Kelly came running out of the house, kind of like frantic, moved a car, like backed it up around to the back of the house. And then several hours later, she heard she woke up again because she heard the sound of cars turning on she peered out her window again and saw two cars like drive off in the middle of the night. And now all of this only occurs to them now that they are convinced. Right. Because of this they couple, were being at the so time, suspicious. it was just a thing. Yeah. It was just a thing that happened that they were like, that was weird, but they don't know anything about it. They didn't even know Chris was missing right. when that was happening. So Chief Frizzo asks David if he is someone in your house. Oh, no. <laughs> No, that's the, we, we were just hearing something. It's the uh, male. Oh my yeah. God, that just scared me. I was it like, hap- someone's in your home. It happens every time. <laughs> every time my talks. heart goes into my vagina, oh, like I, I think I'm going to throw like, up. Yeah, no, people, it's just the mail being delivered. Just it's just very loud. Just Yep. <laughs> okay, I literally just, I, <clears throat> we're fine, everyone. We're fine. But see, uh, uh, this is why I couldn't sleep after all this research last night. I know. It's so well, freaky. This, this, is, this is a horrifying story. Yeah. So Chief Frizzo asks David if he would be willing to help her track down the Cochrans. Because as we mentioned, they, ba- they left town yeah. in a hurry. 
and no one knows where they are. So she just wants to know where they are. At this point, some of the DNA evidence that they had collected, or sorry, the evidence from the splatter on the ceiling they had collected came back, and the only thing that the test could tell them was that there was traces of hemoglobin, which only says that it was blood. It can't even tell you if it was animal blood right, or human blood. Right. Definitely not what type of blood, and definitely no DNA. It's yeah. so degraded from the paint, yeah. from bleach, all very telltale things. Yeah. But, but she has nothing to hold them on. She didn't find she any physical... She was so physical depressed about that any physical evidence yeah so this begins chief rizzo's like determined quest she is going to find chris's dna in that house if it kills her yeah so they go back in they are like cutting up the floors taking out doors they find what looks like blood splatter yeah in several little areas and they get take it all and she has everything that she finds tested all of the knives all that stuff yeah and meanwhile, she's got David Saylor, the neighbor, texting with them, who tells her that he got a hold of them to see how they were doing, and that they are in Robart, Indiana, at Kelly's mom's house. That's where they are. Okay. So they just fled back home. Word. So she doesn't have anything on them in terms of she can't arrest them. There's no actual proof that they've done anything in That's- terms of... DNA evidence right. or any like concrete thing to link them to his disappearance. They don't have Chris's body, so they don't even can't even prove that he's anything's That's happened true. to him. That's true. So she just wants to kind of keep tabs on them, and so she has got those private investigators. Yeah. So now they know they're in Indiana, and when the DNA or sorry, I keep saying DNA when the testing comes back from all of the other evidence they collected in the house, right? It's proven that it's human blood this time. Okay. But that's it. They can't tell who because they don't have because any. Because it's degraded. And then oh. it's also degraded. They can't really extract DNA, but she's also yeah. pulled everything, like hairbrushes. So she convinces the prosecutor to get her a warrant to obtain Kelly and Jason's DNA so that she can exclude that right. from all the DNA they're inevitably going to find in someone's home. Right, exactly. And she calls her PIs. She's like, we have to make sure that they are there yeah. when we serve them with these warrants. Right, this is great. So the... PIs that she had hired. It's a girl and it's a man and a woman. Yeah, and they had put a tracker on his car. Yeah. And so when it was time to have the Hobart, <coughs> there, there it is. I'm so jealous. I keep feeling like I'm going to do it and I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. Gazuntai. We'll just uh, cut keep that going. Um, so she wants to make sure that Kelly and Jason are home when they are served with these um, warrants to obtain their DNA. Yeah. So they get the tracker. She makes sure they're there. She calls up the Indiana uh, Police Department of that county, yeah. sends them over. Um, the detective from the Indiana Police Department says that when she walked up, Chris, or not Chris, sorry, Jason was just hanging out on the front lawn, like yeah. sipping a cup of coffee. And then when she approached him, she says all of the color in his face drained, like, what, what are you doing here? Right. And she serves them. And she says, you know, we, we need to bring you downtown to obtain your DNA. So then. And then, of course, Kelly's like, yeah, yeah, no totally problem. Totally no problem. We're very cooperative. Yeah, right. So they go down. And this is such a good moment in the documentary. Because they don't really, I mean, they must know what it's about. But they're like, okay, we're not in the Upper Peninsula anymore. So right. they interview them. Though they take, sorry, they take Jason first. They go separately. Yeah. They're like, we're going to take him. And then we this need to This is where she's so smart. Like she's really uh, thinking strategy. Here. Yeah. She yeah. says, and then Kelly would like you to come down to our station in a half an hour to an hour. 
So they take Jason, they sit him in a room, and then the door opens up and in walks Chief Rizzo. Yay! And the look on Jason's face is kind of priceless because this woman has been convinced from the moment she met this couple right. that they were responsible in some way for Chris Regan's disappearance. She has come all the way from basically Canada and now she's yeah. here in Indiana yeah. and she is the one who is there to collect their DNA. And Jason gets very combative, immediately starts yeah. asking for a lawyer, refusing to talk to her. She's kind of trying to play that game of like, I know that, that Kelly was the mastermind and that you were just helping her. Maybe you weren't even there. You just helped cover it up after the fact. Like, let me help you. He refuses. They obtain his DNA. They leave. Right. But his cell phone had been in the custody of the police in the hallway during the interrogation. And they inform Frizzo that while she was talking to Jason, Kelly had called him like 30 times. Oh, my God. So she knows now that they're, they're on edge. Yeah. Things are, they're on edge. So and he's like, I need, to, I need to talk to a lawyer. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to answer any more questions. Yeah. I'm happy to give you my DNA, but I'm getting a lawyer. And that's it. I'm done talking to you. So and she sends him on his way. Yeah. And then Kelly comes in. But they don't talk to each other before that. Like Kelly and Jason don't get to talk to each no. other before. And that's, very, that's by design. Yeah. Yeah. So then Chief Rizzo squares off against Kelly. And it is amazing the difference in the energy in the room. The difference right. in like, Jason is so clearly terrified and is he does mention you know he has like temper issues and gets angry but yeah. he's also fragile emotionally you know he's yeah. like got like a weak constitution i think and <laughs> yeah. um kelly just like she's so confident she goes in there she's got an answer for everything yeah frizzo's trying to convince her that maybe her husband's like flipped on her yeah. or turned on her and she just won't take the bait it reminds me a little bit of how jody uh areas yeah you know what behaved in the in the investigation rooms yeah I don't know. It just it's similarities. Just that confidence in their own And like lives. an answer for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is where um, Chief Frizzo gets a little, she's like, starts, you know, she starts saying F word. She's like, so you're fucking around with three guys, you know, some, yeah. you know. Basically, she, she's like, so you're a slut and yeah. a murderer <laughs> and I'm going to get you, bitch. She's yeah. Basically what she says. And she's like, words. I'm not talking anymore. And she's and like, great, but the like, day is going to come when you're going to want to talk and I, I'm just going to tell you, we got you. Yeah, that's good. And the time is, is, this is it. So she's disappointed, but she's collected their DNA, which is going to be very helpful in terms of the evidence that they're collecting yeah. from the couple's home. But she just knows, based on what she saw that day in Indiana, that yeah. this, is, this is not going to end well. Right. They can't. It's so keep, suspicious. They can't keep going. She knows they did this. Yeah. And she can see the the relationship mm -hmm. between them and like the stress that that is under yeah. and she just knows that somehow something as big is going to happen and there's nothing she can do about it yeah. and at this point um some of the extra help that chief frizzo had they found they reverse engineered the gps on chris regan's car Oh, and they right. were able to find like they have evidence that he was at their home uh-huh <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was gonna sneeze. They yeah, so they had so they had full That's evidence. She, yeah, she got the FBI to come in and help with some things. He was at the Cochran's house the night of his disappearance, um, and this is when they also like, you know, they were searching the house, you know, as you spoke about, but they were searching the fire pit, okay. and they found, you know, they didn't find any human remains or anything, but they did find 
uh, you know, like jeans, like the grommet from jeans and different and things like that. And a zipper. And uh, I don't know if we talked about this yet, but like when they were making that fire, when they were burning whatever, oh, yeah. a neighbor came up and was like, yo, uh, this what is, yeah, what are you burning? This he, He's like, I lived here all my life. We burn, you know, I know everything. what tires smell like. I know what everything smells like. And she's like, it's not, a, it's not that bad, is it? And he was like, I don't know. Should we call the cops to find out? And he, she, she, she was like, No, no, no. I'll, we'll, we'll put it out. Yeah. I mean, also, neighbor, maybe just call, call the, the cops. cops you if know, you think that she's burning a body. Yeah, exactly. But who oh, knows what man. she was? But maybe she was burning a body. Part I don't know. It. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows what she was doing? It's really upsetting. Oh, and keep going. Do, so one of the other, we're talking about the sailors, the neighbors. This is something that. Oh yeah, this is good. We because we so you know. He, who was the one who spoke much? David. Most? So David, who is just a darling person, you can tell he's just like, oh God. Yeah, he's like, how he's like, I just like the middle of all this. He's like, I, I just want to smoke weed. weed. <laughs> yeah. And 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 he was like, one day they asked us over. Yes. So for this is insane. A barbecue, and he's like, they never, they never ever did anything like that. They Before always claimed after. they were broke and mm-hmm. never had money and this and that. But but he says they go to this barbecue. <laughs> it's so gross. I can't even talk about it's, it. This is. I mean, and again, this is. Pure speculation, but I'm inclined to think there's something here. I don't know what it is, but there's something here. <laughs> so they've lived across the street from these people for almost a year. They've never been invited over. She's like, want to come over for a BBQ today? And they're yeah. like, yeah, that's so nice. They yeah. come over. She, They have what looks like, in David's estimation, 150 to $200 worth of meat. Oh, my God. And, um, and Jason, sorry, I just lost his name. Jason is bragging about how he is like a professional butcher and he, you know, he's really good with meat. He makes the best burgers and they're serving this food and the, the family, they're trying to be polite, but they, they keep asking like, what, what is this? Because it's unlike any meat they've ever had. It's not burgers. Oh my God. It's, um, he describes it as it's almost translucent in nature with a texture of lobster. Um, but what is it a part of any? I mean, is I it? I mean, oh. people like lobsters. No, no, we have meat. We're like we're like chickens. Yeah, we have. I don't know. What or I we don't are. know what we're like. I'm I'm not a cannibal. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like I, I the, the, our muscle is like meat, meat. Yeah. So I don't know what the fuck so that was. So basically, David Maybe Saylor his and his penis. family think that Kelly and Jason, as one method of disposal. Of Chris Reagan's body that they barbecued him up and fed him to their neighbors. Oh my god! And they believe this, and they're so upset. And like, they're so upset. And even I'll say this: even Chief Brizzo says, based on their testimony about the the buzz sawing in the middle of the night, right. she does believe that they have dismembered Chris's body. Right. That's a big part of like her um, Plan- belief or, yeah. in what went down in his disappearance. And she says that you know, if they'd never asked anyone over before. Never asked anyone over again. Yeah. Always said they had no money. Had exactly. a ridiculous amount of meat to get rid of. So have a big old neighborhood barbecue with uh, some weird meat. They can't tell anyone what it is. Oh, my God. But she thinks that there is a chance. It's not is, proven, but. There is a chance that she fed her neighbors. Oh, my God. And Chris Regan. Oh, so on this documentary series, I have to give it to the reenactor actors yeah. because it's they have to do all sorts of fucked up shit. It's just amazing. And they they actually cast people who look 
pretty close to yeah, it was the really actors. Good. There was a few times where I was like, wait, is that the I know. Role? And the, the yeah. scene where they're like reenacting them giving the burgers. Yeah. It's so fucking it's so funny. Upsetting. Oh, it's so <laughs> upsetting. And then the the actors who play the neighbors are like eating like their faces are kinda like, This is weird. <laughs> Chewing on a burger, oh but my like God. Mm. So upsetting, guys. So add that to this weird sordid tale. <laughs> Cannibalism. <laughs> Some Sweeney Todd motherfucking meat Ooh, pie shit. Oh, yeah. Up in the Upper Peninsula. Wow. Anyway, so that is, again, unconfirmed, but it right. is a large part of the story in terms of the sensation. Like, any media, and when you do Google this, like, most of the stuff that comes up is, did she feed her victim to her neighbors? Right. You know? And did she? I don't, don't know. know. You decide. But she might have. Yeah, it seems like she probably it did. It seems like she gave him something. I don't yeah. know what it was. But yes, thank you for not letting us forget to tell I mean, that that's like my favorite part. It's not my favorite part. It really grosses me out, but it's just the most salacious. It's, it's crazy. And I love that they take it seriously in this documentary. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to say it didn't happen. Right. Might have happened. Right. So back to Indiana, right? They're, yeah. we're, we're, they're, they're still, are they staying? So they're still there. They're basically living at home. And now this is where yeah. we're going to, I think, just pause for a second. And we're going to tell you a little bit about Jason and Kelly. Yeah. Jason and Kelly have known each other since they were children. They were next door neighbors. Next door They neighbor. grew up together next door to each other. Right. They couldn't have been more different. Yep. Jason was kind of a nerdy, quiet, good kid. He did suffer from like some mental health issues. Okay. Um, but Kelly was a bad girl. She was right. a runaway. You got a list? You well, I, I just, uh, well, I was trying, I mean, I basically have what you have. She she had a troubled ad- adolescence. She started acting out in her teenage years and ran away a lot. And so she was put in like an all-girls school. Oh, yeah, that's right. Her mom said eventually between the yeah, drugs and running have. away. Yeah, the drugs She had to too, put yeah. her in a, an all, yeah, she had basically send her away to a boarding school. Yeah. Um, but somehow, after high school. Yeah. They rekindled. They, they or they kindled up, it. They kindled, and they get married. Yeah. And her Kelly's own mother is, says, "I was shocked. Never in a million years would right. I have thought that these two would have ended up together. But yeah. they seemed to be very happy. We had a beautiful wedding. They got married in the Methodist church where they were both baptized. My God. Um, and so that is how these. So these two have been in each other's lives their entire lives. And they've been married since they were like 18. Yep. And now they're back home. And Chief Frizzo is increasingly frustrated because every little bit of evidence she gets back, nothing is conclusive. Nothing can link him. It's fully, you know, like winter has come and is about to, no, it's fully winter now in the Upper Peninsula. So the idea that she's going to continue to send search parties out to find Chris if he is out there in the woods somewhere it's not going to happen anymore. Like she's right. going to have to wait till spring. Right. And she just knows that something big is going to happen. Yeah. She doesn't know what. She doesn't know when. She doesn't know why Avron can't sneeze when she feels like <laughs> she's going to. Well, 16 months after Chris's di- disappearance, another intense thing happened. Well, yeah. So that's where the story is going to take um, an even crazier twist. Yeah. So on February 16th, is that right? Yeah. I wrote it down. Feb- no. February 20th of mm. 2016. Gotcha. A phone call comes into 911, and it is a frantic Kelly Cochran saying that her husband is turning blue. He can't breathe, and uh, she needs the paramedics need to come right away. They need an ambulance, and she's very frantic. Paramedics show up. Jason is already dead. Yeah. He has died of an uh, apparent heroin overdose. 
And one of the things that they note, the paramedics note, is that Kelly was really intrusive when they were trying to help him. Like, right, she's, of, they're trying to get to her. And, and him, she's like blocking them and making it difficult, huh. even though he was already dead. Yeah. But so that's noted. Obviously, um, Chief Frizzo gets word of this, and the detective of the Hobart Police Department, his name is Jeremy, Detective Jeremy Ogden, right. is assigned this case. And Frizzo reaches out to him and says, so here's the backstory on this. Yeah. And I just want you to know that you need to look into this as a potential homicide. I know it's being said that it was a heroin overdose. Right. So he is convinced as well. And he goes to the coroner's examination or whatever it's called. The the examination of the body. Yeah. And lets the coroner know, like, I know that you're going to find a ridiculous amount of heroin, which they do like three times the lethal limit of heroin is in his system. Um, But I want you to look beyond that. Yeah. Because we think his wife was involved and they find um, that he'd been strangled to death. That the actual cause of death was not the heroin overdose was that somebody had put their face over his hand or his mouth and his nose and pressed down on his neck and his like covering his ability to breathe with his with her face with, with her hands oh with her hands um or maybe a pillow but like yeah. she basically smothered him and the cause of death was actually asphyxia right strangulation suffocation mm-hmm. and like what is it breakdown of the sinus cavity gross but yeah. anyways yeah so now detective ogden knows that Jason was murdered. And it's ruled a homicide. And it's ruled a homicide by the coroner. But this guy has gotten to read all of the files. He's talked with Chief Frizzo about everything that she's been trying to Watched do. Watched the tapes. Watched all of the interview tapes. Yeah. And he is convinced that Laura Frizzo is 100% right. And yep. he knows now that the only way that he could ever help solve the case of Chris Regan yeah. is to get Kelly to trust him. Right. So he decides, even though Jason's death has been ruled a homicide, that they're not going to make that information public. Yeah, She's not going to be arrested. This is good. She is going to think that she got away with it, that they think he died of a heroin overdose. Yep. And he is going to get her to trust yeah. him. And I have to say, his demeanor, he's, you could tell he's good at his job because, yep. you know, he comes off very earnest. Mm-hmm. You don't, you do trust him. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, my tactic is always honesty and, you know, mm-hmm. but just like. And it's crazy. So these two, and now I'm talking about Kelly Cochran, Kelly and Detective Cochran. Jeremy Ogden, begin the most fascinating dance yeah. I have ever watched. Yeah, Because absolutely. it's two people playing the same game, but with a totally like different set of rules right. and a different end result in mind. And it's hard to tell at times who's winning. Right. Absolutely. But basically, he gets her to admit that her husband... Oh, wait. Sorry. Ooh. This is important. Walt. Yeah. I was yes. like, tell him about yes. Walt. Okay. I do this a lot. I get no, excited it's and okay. then I skip important Me too. Details. And I'm like, don't forget about the cannibals. I'm kidding. That's not what no, this is. No, that was important. This is... This is um, so I mentioned before that Jason was a, like a gamer. He was... You know, he would wear the headset while he's playing video games and talk to people online. And one of his... He had a buddy named Walt Ammerman. And the FBI gets... Um, brings him in um, and... 
I guess, did he, oh, he contacted them because they were on the screen. It came up like, if you have any information or whatever, yeah, well, call me. Or he just finds out that Jason is died, died that way. And yeah. they're saying that it was like suicide, like he OD'd. Yeah. And he says that he knows. Yeah. And he said, so he, he called Kelly to just it. tell them, he's like, listen, I know this guy. This doesn't this seem right. This is not what happened. Yeah. And he said that Kelly was domineering and controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then. They convince him to be. Yeah, Jeremy Ogden, our detective, convinces Walt to be an informant and here asked him and he says, yes, queen. So they Walt writes a letter. And so smart. This is very dramatic. It almost uh, feels like fake. Like police don't really do this. This is like out of a movie. Yeah. And I guess actually that Detective Ogden, I read this great interview with him. He got a lot of criticism at the time for some of his tactics because people were like, what are you doing? Like. You're right. creating fake. Well, I think he knows who he's but dealing with. But he has with. been in, like, like I said, this crazy dance with this woman, and he right. is getting into her brain, and he is figuring out how to manipulate her because right. she's a master at it. Yeah. So continue. Okay, so let me see if I can get this straight. So um, so Walt writes a letter, and he writes it as if he is Jason. Jason. Um, and so the idea is... In the presence of, he's in his car, you know, but in the presence of the detective, he's going to call uh, Kelly. Kelly and say, um, listen, and he does. He, he, he says that um, he's never felt so, he's like, he could take so many acting classes, but right. you he's know, so nervous. I'm like, did he take acting classes? But anyways, yeah. he was nervous as hell. Um, and he says, you know, listen, uh, J- Jason sent me a letter and he said, if anything hap- happens, should happen to me to sen- to not read this letter, but send it to the Right. So basically he tells Michigan her, police, yeah, right? He tells her that he got a letter from Jason and within that letter was a sealed envelope. Yeah, thank you. Yes. With another letter inside and this envelope was addressed to the Iron River Police Department attention of Laura Frizzo. Oh my god. And the note read, if something should happen to me, I need you to mail this letter. Do not open it, just mail it. Right. And Kelly's reaction, because which is so crazy, because Walt is like, "Listen, I just thought I should call." I mean, this is good. I just this wanted is to tell you such a smart move on the detective. But I mean, part. doesn't that seem like something out of a movie, yeah. not out of real life? I know stuff. Absolutely. So they make this up. This is not real. And she goes, "Don't and send it. She, Don't send it." She is on the other line, and as he's telling the story, you start hearing her go like, "Ugh." Uh. Uh. And then he says, I just, I wanted to let you know. I don't really know what I should do, but part of me feels like he told me to do it, so I should send yeah. it. And she starts pleading with him not to. Yeah. And in that moment, that is all that Detective Ogden needed to know, to know yeah. that, that she was, in fact, guilty. Yeah. And so that he at least can be armed with that information. Yeah. So they, she actually reaches out to him. Right. And so they had talked right after he died. Right. And he had done some weird thing where he just like he was trying to create a relationship. So he's like, anytime if you need to talk, I yeah. know how hard this is this is and if you you know, any information that comes up, if there's, you know, anything, you reach out. So now she thinks that this letter is being sent. Right. So she reaches out and she wants to talk to her good friend, Detective Ogden. Right, because and now she admits that this is not a missing persons case, but a murder. And that her husband murdered Chris Regan. Right. And that she helped him cover it up because he told her that if she didn't, he was going to kill her. Right. Oh, the story changes. Oh, the story changes. So, in this initial telling of what happened, Kelly explains that on the night of their wedding, she and Jason made a blood pact that if either one of them ever had an extramarital affair, 
it would be the responsibility of the person who had the affair to murder the lover or they would be murdered by the spouse. So basically, like, if Kelly has an affair, she has to kill her lover or Chris will kill, or not Chris, or Jason will kill her. If Jason has a lover, he has to kill the lover or Kelly will kill him. And they made this pact on their wedding night. So crazy. I'm like, is that even real? I I mean, who knows if that's even true, but that's what she tells them. So she says that she couldn't do it because she had feelings for Chris and cared too much about him. But then when Jason killed him, he threatened to kill her if she didn't help him cover it up. So Detective Ogden is playing this so well. He's like, you're innocent. You're innocent. Anybody, you had to do what you had to do so he wouldn't hurt you. And he keeps playing on her so-called conscience, which she clearly doesn't have, but about how important it is that they get led to his body so that his family can have him back can like properly bury him have a place to go and mourn him and all of this stuff and she you know she's given a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and eventually she agrees to drive with him to iron river and show him where so she's already told him where what they did so she says you know he shot him we both when he shot him we fell down the stairs into the basement and then chris or sorry, Jason took Chris's body into the middle of the basement, dismembered him, put all the pieces in trash bags, and then we drove together to basically dump the trash bags yeah. in the in the forest. Because as we mentioned, this is like hundreds and hundreds of miles of just Yeah. Acres of like, yeah. Or, or acres, sorry, of yeah. just crazy dense forest. Yeah. So she finally agrees to drive up with him and show him the spot. Or there's a million acres. Sorry, a I million, just remember it because yeah. it was a lot. It's a lot. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> and so Detective Ogden, she takes him to the so-called spot. They don't find anything. Right. But he also is finally really aware of how easy it would be to hide a body out here. Yeah. And how they probably are never, ever, ever going to find Chris without right. her help. Right, right. But he's learned about Kelly. She's only going to give you a little bit at a time. She's going to make you work for it. So he does get her to take him back to her home. Right. where the murder occurred. And he's like, walk and me walk through, her it. through it. And he literally is like, let's role play. I'll be Chris. You be yeah. you. What are we doing right now? And he kind of comes up close. And she's, as we mentioned, she's gregarious. She's a flirt. Yeah. She liked sex a lot. Yeah. They're playing this little dance thing. And he it was is, creepy to watch. He is working her so yeah. good. And so she tells a story that's basically insanely implausible. Like yeah. How they're walking up the stairs. Chris is in front of her. Somehow, Jason was hiding in the basement, shoots past her head and hits him in the back of the head. And then they both, and then fall, they both back. fall backwards. But yeah. if you're going upstairs and you're shot from behind, like gravity would say that you would fall forward. He's right. like, it's not impossible that this happened, but now he knows she's straight up lying and she was way more involved in the actual murder, not right. just the cover up. So they get back, they drive back and he tells her, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to need you to take a polygraph so that we can prove that you are just a witness to this crime and an unwitting, an unwilling accomplice. Right. And then we're going to go back up after you pass the polygraph and you are going to take us to every other part of the woods where we could maybe find his body because you know. Yeah. And she says, okay, and she leaves. And then she's supposed to come back on Saturday. I think that was like a Tuesday. And he gets a text from her on Saturday morning before she's supposed to come in that says, the West Coast looks beautiful this morning. So Kelly Cochran has How the heck did she get again. over there? I mean, she must have hitchhiked or something, right? Because I'm sure she had no money. I have no idea. They actually don't get into that right, part I just of wonder. it. But yeah, yeah, no, but she flees again. Yeah. 
And now they've got to get the, what is it called? The people that, when you have to, it's not, not the federal, I'm thinking of like the Mexican police, the federales, but it's this, not the state troopers. The people that go out to find people like all across the state lines, they also do witness protection. Um, uh, I don't know. It's Yeah, there's it's, a name for it. There's a type of um, officer whose job it is. They take prisoners on airplanes. We're like, they do, were like, they the ones that were created after, um, uh, oh my God, the, you know, the OG. Um, but you know what I'm talking crime. about? Oh, maybe. But like the, yeah. the people, the cops that take like prisoners on flights. Yeah. The ones that... Um, they said not federal out. agents, but no, it's not like FBI, but it's something yeah. this is going to bo- drive me bonkers. We'll get it. We're going to get it. We're going to let It'll you know. Pop in my head eventually. So, um, are there are federal agents, but I don't think that's the name of it. I don't know. Any hoodle, the federal people who find, who track down criminals who have fl- like fled jurisdiction. Right. Eventually track Kelly to Wingo, Kentucky. Oh, right. Because she because she couldn't help but turn her goddamn phone on. And he, she was texting with Detective Ogden. So funny. I'm going to look it up while you talk. Okay. So they track her down, and she is finally, like, straight arrested for the murder. She failed the poly... Or she didn't take the polygraph, sorry. Right. But she is finally arrested between the fact that she's, like, admitted to the fact that he was killed in the house, all this. She is arrested for the death, for the homicide of Chris Regan. And she is extradited back to um, Iron River, where she's still kind of trying to play the victim card. Yeah. Did you find it? No. Oh. Um, but <laughs> no. she agrees to take them to Chris's body and all of this stuff to be helpful because she's yeah. still playing this game of, I'm going to convince at least one person on that jury right. that I was the victim too. So she does, in right. fact, lead them. To it was not far from where she had taken Detective Ogden, but she leads them to um, the place where they dumped his body. They uh, find an empty trash bag that clearly had yeah. been like shredded by animals. But then the dog they have dogs out there obviously right. searching, and then the dog keeps running and they go out into this clearing and just right in the middle of this like flat, no trees, no brush yeah. clearing. The dog runs and sits next to what, from a distance, Chief Frizzo thinks is a rock. Right. And it is Chris Regan's skull. Yeah. So she says that she just, like, knelt down in front of him, said a little prayer, smiled at the skull, and said, I finally found you. Wow. I mean, this is a movie. It's crazy. It is a movie. It doesn't... So then Kelly... She takes them basically on a field trip. So they find remains. Right. Then she takes them back to their house, shows them where they threw the murder weapon into that tar pit thing that was behind their house. Yeah, it was or a, the quarry. Mine, a quarry. Yeah. So we're talking, there's a million lakes out here, those yeah. abandoned mine shafts. She tells them exactly where they threw the murder weapon. They send divers in. And they actually, for the first time in the history of um, the, police, the Iron River Police Department, they recovered uh, evidence from this quarry in this specific in case. In this specific case. But nothing had ever been found there before. People yeah. have claimed that's where they threw murder weapons when they've confessed to things, but no one's ever been able to find anything. Yeah. They find the gun. Then she takes them back to the house. And remember how she kept finding blood splatter, Chief Frizzo, right. all over the house? Yes, yes, Every time they would test it, it would be too degraded, and so there would be no way to get DNA. Right. Kelly is telling the story of after Jason shot Chris, he gave her 
these forceps and told her she needed to dig the bullet out of his skull because that would be something they could trace to them. So she had stuck these little metal forceps in and tried to get the bullet, but she ultimately wasn't able to get it out. And they have been in this house over 70 times, you guys. Yeah, this is crazy. They Because it's just this random thing, it was sitting right on the kitchen counter. They had never collected it. They didn't think it was relevant. Yeah. She, Kelly points it out. She's like, oh yeah, they're right there, sitting next to the kitchen sink. They take it. It is the only thing in the house that had Chris's DNA on it. That but now true. they have her. Yeah. They have his DNA in the house. They have the murder weapon. They have the body. And then another crazy thing that happens just in this documentary. I mean, this is nuts. Truly, truly wild. They're going back again to not, there's no actors this time. It's They're actually, just basically going to shoot the scenes yeah. that they show us that we've already watched in right. the documentary of her finding his remains the first time. Right. But they're going to shoot that. And yeah. as they're out there, all of a sudden, you see her a camera person be like, um, you guys, and then you hear Frizzo be like, don't touch it, don't touch it, everybody get back. And just as plain as day, like right on the ground, not even like buried or anything, is a jawbone, a fully intact jawbone. Yeah. And it's the jawbone of Chris Regan. Yeah. And it's really interesting to watch because Laura Frizzo spent over two years of her life trying to nail these people down. Yeah. She'd finally gotten all the evidence she, you know, she needed yeah. to get her. She's out here making this documentary. Making yeah, this, this is case. after... This is after yeah. they already arrested her. And she says, that she's like, this doesn't just happen. We've searched, we searched this area yeah. many times. And you could just tell in her, in that way, that like for her, that was like Chris showing up to be like, yeah. thank you for finding me. And she sobbed. And she and cries. And like, she it was, was like, like very honest. Though. It's a, cr- it's, I mean, not that, you, but you couldn't ask for a better do- better moment in a documentary. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. Like for that to happen yeah. is very like one unlikely. of the PAs was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I mean, because it, it was very upsetting because <laughs> yeah. it's a jawbone. Exactly. So, where are we? We've well, got I'm Kelly. in the place say, where do I get to talk about this one yet, or was that is that after we find out what happens to them? Um, let's do it. Let's okay. say, let's let's put something nice in here for a minute. Okay, so. Um, Jer- uh, Detective Jeremy Ogden, working in Indiana, working with um, Chief Laura Rizzo in Frizzo. Frizzo. Oh my God! We I totally- keep Rizzo. calling her Rizzo because it just feels it, right. It feels right, yeah. But in from Michigan, and sort of he took over the case, and they had so much. You know, she had so much stake in it and so wanted to she find She had done him. all of the legwork up front. That's right. And didn't didn't the FBI, what did the FBI say when they got all of her research? They were like, this is incredibly impressive. It's very comprehensive. We think you've got something here and yeah. we would love to help you. Like, that's right. how well she was doing. And yeah. she just wasn't able to find the, they, they were good criminals. Yeah. So she couldn't find that evidence. So and now mind they, you, the city manager is still trying to get her fired throughout this, but she's yeah. doing a great job. Yeah. So get so off she, her chalk, Yeah, man. so now that the jurisdiction has fallen in Indiana, because that's where Jason died, that's where they've got um, Kelly is living, yeah. you know, yeah. all of that stuff, it really does become Detective Ogden's job to right. kind of close the case, so to speak. And he does. And he know? does it with the help, though. They, yeah. he, they say that they were in constant yeah. communication yeah, they're in. Te- they're they were a team in constant communication. And guess what, guys? This is where the rom comes in. Jeremy and Laura 
fall in love. They totally got ah! together. They're still together and I love it so much. It's so cute. Are you going to read the things they said? Yes. Okay. So Jeremy says, I think we were made for each other to begin with. It's one of those things that only happens once in a lifetime. When you truly know that you're supposed to be there for this person and they're supposed to be there for you. She's certainly my silver lining in this whole thing. And then Laura says, it wasn't meant for me to, or it wasn't meant for me to find Chris Regan until I found you first. Yeah. I'm just like, I got full blown chills when she it. said that. Cause she was even like, I know this is cheesy, but I truly believe I love that it I so wasn't much. meant to find Chris until I found Jeremy. Oh, and they, you guys, they're still together, like an actual. And they're a cute couple. Love. And they seem like they just are nice and love each and other. And they love and, each other. Oh. And they love Chris God. Regan's family. And it. they looked after them. And they yes. made sure they got justice. And they just, they love each other. You yeah. Guys. And it was so unexpected. Oh, my God. Like, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, they start talking I about know. how they had to work closely together. And I was like, wait a minute. Where are we going here? This might be my favorite like, one. Where are we going? And then they're in love. I know. Um, I think that was the perfect time. To inject that. Thank because you. Because now we're going to get into just awful shit. Yeah, again. yeah. That, but it's just so great. An actual rom com. Yep. Rom com crime in the crime. Uh, in within the crime. Happy tears. Okay. So on Valentine's Day, just to keep up with the theme of romance. Yep. Of 2017, Kelly Cochran's murder trial begins in the murder of Chris Regan. Her defense is again, I was the victim. I was forced to help cover it up. The um, why prosecutors are saying, no, she was actually the mastermind. Yeah. At this point, through interrogation and interviews, and all of they have all the physical evidence, but Detective Ogden was even able to get her to say, reveal the pact thing. She knew that Jason was lying in wait for Chris to walk in to shoot him. Right. Like she lured him to his death. Yep. And she was, she knew it was going to happen all along. She brought him there. She made sure it happened. She helped clean it up. So they're like, she is guilty. Yeah. She is guilty. And she's like, I'm innocent. I had no choice. Right. And the jury deliberates for, I think, less than a day, 12 hours wow. or something. And they come back and they're like, guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah. And she is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of role for Chris Regan's death. for Chris Regan's death then she's charged with the death of the murder sorry of her husband Jason right. so now remember these cops have known all along she killed him but they right. kept that information to themselves That's so crazy. to get her to cooperate to get her to turn him into the bad guy her the victim knowing all along that she silenced him because mm -hmm. she thought he was weak and he was going to give her up so they get her, you guys. Yeah. They get her. They get her good. Now they're just talking to her because there's a lot of weird things. That one, the fact that this couple had this pact, right? She's clearly yeah. a woman who likes to have affairs. So it's not the first time. wasn't the last time. I think they even found out she was having an affair in Indiana. It was just oh, what really? she did. I, and the fact that they were so good at hiding evidence that they thought to do things like dismember the body, dump it in different places and different bags, right. potentially feed some of it to people. Ew. Rizzo was convinced that this wasn't the first time they'd done this. Right. So they're just trying to get more information out of her. And as 
it's becoming increasingly clear that she's she's not going anywhere. So yeah. she's charged with the murder of her husband and she is given an additional 65 years That's in prison. Right. So now her sentence is life in prison with no parole plus 65 years. Right. So she's never getting out. And she kind of starts taunting the cops with these little notions that there might be more bodies out there. And if you could maybe do something for me, I could help you bring them home like you did Ew. Uh, Chris. And because because it was such an experienced kind of disposal job, they do think there are other bodies out there. They're not going to give her any kind of leniency for it. Right. And she's really just happy to talk, to be honest, at this point. Yeah. But even her own brother, after she was imprisoned, came forward, mentioned a specific instance of a guy she met through Facebook that she started dating that he says, Jason, in his presence, said, well, I'll kill him if you need me to. And they were talking about it. Right. Like it was a normal conversation of like, well, how this, I will kill this guy because he can't be getting in the way of our marriage. Oh and my he God. Based on what Kelly has told him. So again, we don't know this to be yeah. true. That there are nine other victims of Kelly and Jason Cochran out there. Wow. Because yeah, that's what she said, right? Because that's what she told them. Yeah. And there's phone recordings of her talking to her mom and saying that she, yeah. um, that she's felt... These right. the mom, like the, her mom was like, I can't believe this. Like, yeah. obviously, I knew you guys were involved once the, you were arrested and all this. Well, how, well, how and, long ago did you start feeling this and way? she's like, how did you not know? She's like, yeah. I've always been like this. Her mom is like, I mean, it is so chilling. Yeah. I've always wanted to kill people. I've always blah, 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 blah. And She said she's mom, never felt any remorse. Yeah, and then I found this great thing, um, this great article about this. But it, they were talking to psychologists because she wrote this letter I guess she was trying to appeal something and it's they had psychologists go over the letter to kind of diagnose her. Okay. And this basically she's a sociopath, a narcissist, gotcha. all the classic psychopathic yep. things that you are. But I'd never heard of this before. One of the psychologists describes her condition as it's called semantic aphasia, which essentially means they know the words to a song, but they don't feel the music. So Whoa. she knows that killing people is wrong. But she doesn't feel bad about doing it, and she doesn't really care. So she knows that it's that it's illegal. It's against the law. She's not crazy. She is that like is that shit. like a part of uh, the being a sociopath? Or Probably. It, it's I like, think it's that lack of empathy, right? Yeah. Like you know, you as a witness to the world, as we all human beings are, psychopaths can see what empathy is supposed to look like. Right. They can see how you're supposed to react based on what they see other people doing, right. based on what they are told they should be doing. So they can mimic that, but there's no feeling beneath it. Right. And so I just loved, it's called it, semantic aphasia, yeah. or this specific thing, but I just love the description of they know all the words to the song, but they can't feel the music. Wow. And that, I think, is a perfect description of this woman yeah. who not only claims to, have, to basically be a serial killer, who then... When she was finally caught, I saw this extended interrogation with Detective Ogden, uh-huh. where when she was saying, you know, I, if I help you find these other people, and he's like, what are you talking about? And she's, he's like, you're never getting out. You're never going anywhere. You're never going to yeah. do this again. And then she, bas- she says to him, well, then I guess I'll just have to take care of those urges in here. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, kill the other prisoners? And then I shit you not. It's just like dead silence while she gets this creepy grin on her face. And she's just dead staring him while she's like moving the, you know how they put the prisoner, the belt on them? Oh, yeah. It's like a rope. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The entire time she's talking, she's like creepily twisting that ring that you will eventually oh. be connecting the things to, but never stops. 
twisting it, twisting it, yeah. twisting it, telling the story. He says, what, you're going to kill inmates? And she's twisting it, and she finally stops twisting it. She gets this really, I'm le- I got chills watching it, legitimately creepy smile on her face. And she stared, like dead stares, and she's like, they're sheep. And then he goes, to be slaughtered? And then she just smiles at him. And it's like, so basically she's saying she's going to murder people well, in prison. Well, she'll be in high, uh, you know, security. I and think. well, apparently she's been in isolation a lot, oh. probably because of saying things like that. So one of the other things that I thought was like super creepy that she talked about, because the, they always, you know, a lot of serial killers have like a way to like count their victims or whatever. Oh, yes. And apparently this her, so she, on her body, she had a bunch of butterfly tattoos. 14 to be exact. And she talked a lot about, um, she did butterfly There was butterfly imagery. prints and pieces of art all over her house. And she told the detectives that yeah. the butterflies represented. People she's lost in her life. But doctor but, or doctor <laughs> chief Frizzo believes that they're for the victims that each tattoo on her body represents someone she's murdered. And I'll tell you what, then they at the end of the documentary when they show her walking through her house, there's butterflies, there's everywhere. literally butterflies, tapestries, paintings, like everywhere. Gross. And she was like, we always were curious at first, like what is with all the butterflies? I wonder if it means anything. And she's like, I think we know it does. Wow. So, 14 butterfly tattoos. She's saying there are nine victims. There is a chance that Kelly Cochran is the most prolific female serial killer of all time. But we and will never know. Chief Laura Frizzo <gasps> yeah. put that bitch in Thank jail. You, also, you know what I realized? Our last three episodes in a row, we've done um, murderesses. Ooh, female good for murderers. Us. That's right. It's We're weird. finding them. Yeah, we are. We did a whole run of like just awful male dominant grossness, but now it's just female dominant grossness. Yeah. But it's this all is good though. Grossness, but it this is. This one, I'm telling you guys, and Vanya, I feel like you have to agree with me. If this is interesting to you, yeah. watch. Dead North. 100%. I know we've given you so much information. We probably yeah. barely scratched the surface. Trust me, you'll, you'll still enjoy it. It is so fascinating and so horrifying. Yep. And I'm so glad that Jeremy and Laura found each other. Me too. Rom crime. Thank you. And that they solved this crime together. Yeah, me too. And that they gave his family, Chris Regan's family, their, their dad back. Yep. And they have become kind of like a family. Those I two sons with those two, yeah. like they they make sure that they're you know okay. And I don't know. There was makes just me believe as much in humanity. Yes, like the the star of this horrible murder. The stars, we'll say stars. Yeah, yeah. Are Chief Laura Frizzo and Detective Jeremy Ogden. Yeah. And I love that they found each other too, and yep. that they were rewarded for their hard work, diligence, and bad ass police hell work. yeah because one thing we totally didn't mention and i just want to say this because it sucks and it's not fair what right after kelly cochran was arrested and charged a uh, finally three years later right that city manager we've been talking about that gave her shit the whole time fired her i mean what a dick and so she spent she lost her job basically to bring her to justice kelly cochran to justice yeah and i just think that deserves a shout out because that is no small thing no it's, you know there's a bunch of other things she could have been doing to secure her job, but she wanted to find Chris Regan, give his family some modicum of closure and justice. Yep, I love her. And she's my new crush. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, send us suggestions. Yep. The internet, pages four and five, I'm afraid to find what's on those. <laughs> so if you have any wrong crime ideas, um, you can DM us on any of the social media yep. things or send us an email at romcrimepodcast at yep. gmail.com. 
And would you please just write a review wherever you listen and to your podcast? That really helps us out a yeah. lot. And tell a friend. Yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Love you. Love you guys.